The NBA season may be over, but that doesn't mean the NBA drama is over. Just a few nights ago, we had the NBA draft. We're going to cover that and some more here on Cuts to the Chase. As always, I'm your host, Chase Williams. And today, or I should say this morning, it's a little bit early, we bring in the great Cooper Goble. How are you doing this weekend, Mr. Goble? You know, got to sleep in a little bit. It's a nice little kind of rainy, drizzly day out. It's a nice day to take a good nap after this podcast. I'm looking forward to that, Chase. Oh, I bet you are. On the other hand, I got so many errands to run. This is what happens when you leave your apartment for a week. But we're going to start off talking about the drafts. We'll take a nice little break. And then, you know, you brought up a really interesting question that I want to get your take on that we were talking about during the finals. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Nets because, well, the Nets are just, they might as well be the Brooklyn Divas in some ways. There's so much drama all the time with that team up in Brooklyn. So we'll finish off by talking about a little bit of them. But first, it's only fair, you know, we came into 24 hours before the draft. The number one consistent pick was going to be Jabari Smith going to Orlando. Then rumors were coming out that they wanted Paulo Bancaro instead saying that, you know, Jabari apparently had a really bad draft workout. Uh, A lot of people think Paulo's the better overall prospect, stuff like that. Kind of the drama between that. Who did you want, who did you expect, and who do you think is the best fit for Orlando at number one? Well, I think the best fit for Orlando um, was Paulo, just because, I mean, you look at Jabari's numbers. He's a 6'10", lanky forward. You know what Orlando has a lot of? Six to lengthy forwards. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I, I get why they take Paulo. Um, I, I'm i not real big on Paulo, but I do see what it is to like in his game. And I think what he can bring to Orlando with his scoring ability. And he seems like a pretty mature guy and can just bring a sense of professionalism to a really young Orlando team. Obviously, he's young himself, but I think his scoring ability is really going to help stabilize that team next season. Yeah, uh, when you look at all three of these top picks, I think there are downsides, there are issues which, with each of the picks. Um, you know, Apollo, it's the defense, Jabari and Chet. I think it's a little bit their frame and how they're tall, but they're they're very stick-like figures in a lot of ways, especially with Chet. Jabari's finishing's not the best. I think what Orlando needs, they have some solid pieces for like third, fourth options, role players. They need a bucket getter. I think Paolo gives them that best option. Now, looking at Jabari, though, Jabari, I think he fits better than in Houston. I think he can do what he needs to do and be a second or third type of role player, not role player, but a second or third star on a possibly good team. I said this to you before we started the podcast. I think this guy, Jabari Smith Jr., could be a two-time six-man of the year award winner. And so I think the fit is a little bit better um, with where both of these teams went or both of these guys went to their prospective teams. Moving over to Chet at the second pick, Oklahoma City seems to have a man crush on Chet Holgram. We knew he was going second at worst, and it was pretty solid that he was going to be the second overall pick. What do you think of that fit in Oklahoma City? Um, Chet's another prospect I'm not super huge on, but you watch his game, you see what there is to like. But um, obviously in OKC, they're led 
Um, pretty good guard play. Lou Dort, solid player. Obviously, you got Shea, um, who I think is probably one of the top uh, uh, up-and-coming players in the league. So a tall, uh, another tall, lanky forward uh, like Jabari Smith, but more offensive than uh, defensive with Jabari. I think Chet can really just add another element to their offense that they were really struggling with last season. I mean, they lost by like 65 points one game. So they, they need offense. <laughs> they, they do desperately need offense. And the Holgram can do some really nice things on offense, but I also watched some really bad plays um, from Holgram this past year against Zagas. We all probably did. When it comes down to the three top guys, I mean, when we look at this draft, there's the three top guys, and then say there's a drop to Jaden Ivey, and then there's a massive drop to everyone else. How would you rank those top three guys and who you think will be the most successful in the NBA? Well, I, I Chet's potential, I think, is probably the highest. Um, for Jabari Smith, I think... I mean, for me, I, I could legitimately see him being a, a defensive player of the year type player in college. I mean, averaged a block and a steal a game with only two fouls. That's really impressive for a young big man, which I love seeing. The NBA needs more great young big men or big men. But of the three, I, I think Jabari, uh, I've, from what I've read and heard, he's a real hard worker. Um, I, not that Chet and Paulo aren't, I just haven't seen that about the two. So I think Jabari is maybe more of a sure thing. Uh, but Paulo, I, I don't see the ceiling as high. So if I had to rank the three, I might go Jabari one, Paulo two, and then Chet three. I would put Chet number one personally. I think his skill set is just the best. And I have real concerns about Jabari's finishing issues. I mean, he really struggled when he got close to the rim at Auburn. Like, there were a lot of times where that man should have had, I don't want to say easy layups, because he was finishing the easy layups. But layups that he should have been able to finish, close shots that were rimming out, that should not be, I mean, that there, there should not be so many instances of this happening. And so I'm going to put Chet number one. I agree with Jabari number two, and Paolo's going number three to me. I think Paolo, I don't know. I just, I, I don't trust Orlando. I, I, Orlando's been in this whole kind of halfway rebuilding, finally committing to the rebuild since Dwight Howard left like 10 years ago. I don't think they have a very good system down there. Um, but at the same time, Bigman, I mean, look at Shaquille O'Neal, look at Dwight Howard. When they were in Orlando, they did really, really well. I mean, you can even talk about the guy in the Bulls currently, Vucevic. I mean, he had a pretty good career with Orlando as well. So, I mean, there's reasons to believe in all three of these guys. But I think Chet is probably the most just naturally talented and gifted guys. But in my opinion, I'm more prepared to say one of these guys is going to be a total bust. I think one of these guys is going to just absolutely not do anything in the NBA. It could be any of them. Um, but I don't know who it's totally up in the air who it could be. I think the summer league will be very interesting to watch this draft class. Now let's move on. The Kings, they passed on Jaden Ivey. You know, a few years ago, they drafted Tyrese Halliburton and, and then Davion Mitchell, and they had an overload of guards. They traded away Halliburton. They decided to go away from the guards so they didn't have the same scenario. Drafted Keegan Murray. What do you think of this whole fiasco of Sacramento at four? 
Well, after I, I, I'm really high on Jaden Ivey as a prospect. Out of the top five, he was probably my favorite. I see why he didn't go in the top three. But for for the Kings, if you look at their history in the last, let's say the last 10 years, they have missed on more lottery draft picks than either of our teams have had in like 30 years. Like they do, they cannot develop players, whether it be the players they pick or just them themselves could be a mixture of both. But with Jade and Ivy, I don't think they, I don't think they could draft him. I mean, going into the draft, they interviewed, or not the Kings, but Jaden Ivey was interviewed and they asked him the Kings and he said, quote, well, it wouldn't be the worst option. You can't draft a player fourth overall who says that about your team. I I'm, I fully support Jaden Ivey saying that. If teams can come out and rip into every aspect of your game, you should have a little bit of say over who and you who you would and wouldn't want to play for because situation uh, or fit, team fit going into the draft and post-draft is the most important thing in a player's development. For Keegan Murray, I think he's more of a more of a sure thing, has a much lower ceiling, but a much higher floor. So I think there's less room for the Kings to mess it up. I, I would tend to agree there as well. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, you know this, some of the listeners know this, I uh, support Sacramento, that's because I was born out there, the suburbs of Sacramento, but I also support what Jaden Ivey said as well. I wish, I think Sacramento screwed up by not drafting Jaden Ivey. I understand it's tough, you, I don't totally agree you can't draft a guy after he says that, but I understand avoiding him after that, I think it was uh, going to be tough but I think that's what Sacramento fans wanted. I think that's what the best pick is. And sometimes you have to just pick up the best guy on the board. Where I think there's a drop-off like there was after Ivy to the next project or the next uh, draftees, I would have taken Jaden Ivy personally. Though, I will say, Keegan Murray, I think, is a better fit for Sacramento. And we'll talk about fit in just one second with really the whole top ten. Um, but before... We all know Sacramento, I don't think, really wanted to draft at this position. You look at it, again, Jaden Ivey was a clear number four guy in this draft. He didn't want to go to Sacramento. The fit wasn't perfect there due to the amount of guards already on the Kings roster. There are rumors that they were trying to trade with Memphis. Memphis wanted Ivey. There are rumors that, you know, there were Indiana was trying to make a trade. None of it happened. You know, there were rumors potentially that a mixture of the Pacers pick, Miles Turner, and Brogdon were offered for the pick. Do you think that pretty much this is all smokescreen and that Sacramento wasn't really getting the trade offers they wanted for pick number four? Yeah, I, that, that's about what you have to assume at this point. I, I can't imagine anybody was just offering the farm, right, to get up to number four. Um, the only team I could really realistically see that happening for uh, would be the Pacers. I believe Jaden Ivey is from Indiana and has talked about wanting to play for the Pacers. Um, obviously, he went to Purdue. Uh, but I, I could see the Pacers maybe wanting to uh, trade up to four, but is trading up from six to four for the potential. I mean, obviously, Ivey would have been there at four, but just leapfrogging one team, I, you're not going to get a huge offer for that. 
and I don't know if the Kings were expecting to get um, another Pacers big man uh, in exchange for another Kings guard or what they were expecting, but I, I just can't imagine the Kings got much of an offer at that spot. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the Kings wanted um, two of the three bare minimum, more likely all three of Brogdon Turner and that sixth overall pick. On the other hand, Memphis, they wanted Jan Jackson Jr. When it comes down to it, I think their asking was just too high. I, I'm i not going to lie. I don't know that I trade Jaron Jackson Jr. for the first overall pick in this draft. And I think the Pacers know they can get more quality in splitting up trading Brogdon and trading Turner. They can get more quality than they would have out of Jaden Ivey, unless they really felt like Jaden Ivey was the definite future of the Indiana Pacers, I don't think they'd make that trade, and obviously they didn't. I think that shows they have a lot of trust in Tyrese Halliburton as well. Um, but as I mentioned, we'll talk about the fit. You and I talked about this kind of on draft night as we were, well, you were watching the draft. I was reading the draft via Twitter on a train back from Chicago. Um, but the top 10 picks, it, it feels like everyone kind of got drafted to the best fit scenario for them, and that the teams really besides Sacramento that we just talked about, made the right pick for them where they were. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. I just, I mean, is there anyone, you know, we've talked about the top four picks, but talking about Ivy in Detroit on to Johnny Davis to Washington and the rest of the top ten, that you really, really like their fit that stands out to you where they went or where they dropped? Um. So I heard that Shaden Sharp really impressed the Blazers in his workout, including Damian Lillard. Uh, Damian Lillard uh, uh, supposedly was very high on Shaden Sharp. Uh, I I I really like that fit. Um, obviously, he did like didn't play at Kentucky this last season, so we haven't seen him play any higher than college basketball, if I'm not mistaken, or not college high school basketball, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but then I also really like Dyson Daniels to the Pelicans. I thought they had a, a real solid draft, and that started with a great pick there at number eight. I think personally that Shaden, Shaden Sharp to Portland was the only team in the top ten that that made sense for, and I agree. It's because Damian Lillard really liked him. He's a big risk, big reward type of guy. I mean, you could see him. Some people at times had him as high as four to Sacramento. Other team, other people had him pretty low, lower in the lottery, maybe just a little bit outside. I think all of them I saw, he was in the lottery. Um, but I think that fit in Portland is the right place. Granted, Anthony Simons is there. Uh, Damian Lillard, where does he go in the rotation? It'll be interesting to watch. But that's a guy I could see come out and just be an absolute bucket getter and win Rookie of the Year. For me, it's Matherin in Indiana. Indiana, as we just talked about, did not jump up. I was a huge on Arizona by the end of the year. I really like Matherin. I don't think he's going to wow people right out of the gate, but I think that's a good, solid pickup, a guy that's going to invest in your program. So I'm really excited for that pick. Um, Johnny Davis to Washington, I think it's interesting. It gets more interesting when Bradley Beal signs with San Antonio Spurs or wherever he goes, but I think I think Sharp is one of my favorite picks. Matherin's another one of my picks. Um, I mean, I, I like Jaden Ivey in Detroit. Dyson Daniels, you mentioned the Spurs pick I wasn't huge on, but it made sense. And I mentioned Johnny Davis already. Um, so let's move on to the, the Knicks. Um, so the Knicks, they were originally supposed to draft 11th. 
Uh, they did not end up drafting at all uh, two nights ago, I guess it would be now. What do you think of the Knicks Thursday night draft night? Uh, I, If I'm a Knicks fan, I understand why you're pretty mad. Uh, but I think, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what they're trying to do. They were trying to clear up cap space and they were trying to uh, add on future picks to try to make a run at some of these players. Um that are uh, supposedly on the trade block. I think the most obvious one that the Knicks are really trying to go after is, um, well, in terms of free agency, is uh, Jalen Brunson. Uh, They've been linked to him, uh, obviously, um, throughout the, honestly, throughout the entire season. It was kind of supposed that this, free agency period they go after them and in terms of adding on the draft picks i think they're i mean they're probably going to make a run for donovan mitchell uh as they've also been linked to and seems like donovan wants out of utah and wants into new york i don't know why he'd want to be a nick but i guess that's just me i don't know why he'd want to be a nick but that's coming from a heat fan (laughs) um i i it seemed like a lot of New York Knicks fans were very unhappy with the way the draft went. They didn't draft anyone. Um, but, you know, everyone's talked about how this is a weaker draft. And obviously it's hard to say that before we see any of them play in the NBA. But it looks like a weaker draft. So to get cap space in what is a free agency period where nobody has cap space and to get some extra trade pit or draft picks, excuse me, I think it's honestly a bigger dub than people realize it's going to give them the flexibility to have a chance at Donovan Mitchell that I don't think they really had before. It's going to give them a chance to get the guy they want uh, without possibly having to trade Julius Randle. There are a few things I really like here. I think if there's a draft that you decide not to take any picks, this is, this is the draft. This is the draft. Um, I said pretty much up until the draft, and I did not want Miami taking a draft pick at 27. I really did not want it at all. Um, I ended up being okay with their pick. We'll talk about that later on. But um, I, I think Knicks fans shouldn't freak out too much. I understand the what is going on here, especially with the chaos that happened at 13. Um, Jalen Duran getting traded to the Knicks and then traded to Detroit, uh, which was a whole debacle, really fun to watch on Twitter between Shams and a woge bomb um, but the Knicks fans should honestly I think this is the best case scenario for them um, but we'll move on away from the Knicks uh, the Knicks they look like a meme I think the best way to say is they look like a meme but I think it was actually smarter than we realized let's move on to your team the Bulls you are a big Bulls fan what did you think of their pick at, I believe it was 18 uh, well pretty much the entire draft process I was really hoping um EJ Liddell would fall down to 18 uh fell much he did that (laughs) but uh obviously they did not take him they took Dalen Terry uh out of Arizona you know I I see I I can see the vision right he's a six foot seven almost six eight uh plays can play guard seven foot wingspan uh he just looking at his film, he busts his butt on a uh, defense, uh, which I, you know, really like. Uh, hopefully, he can come in and we won't have a horrible defense again. Uh, but what well, you know, 
everyone was hurt, probably, you know, get the one seed and beat the Heat in the playoffs to go to the finals if, you know, everyone wasn't hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> obviously that didn't happen. But I think with Dalen Terry, uh, I like what I see in his film, but it really – his his lack of a scoring ability does worry me. Uh, he only averaged eight points uh, this past season, which is not great. Uh, but you know, he he's got good playmaking ability from what I see. From what I've seen, seems like he sees the floor pretty well. Plays good defense, <clears throat> and he's you know seemingly excited to come to Chicago. He's said a few things like he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. All the things that uh, rookies say right after the draft, but. I don't know. I'm excited, but it wasn't my top uh, option at 18. Yeah. I, I think many of us expected either by a Chicago or very latest by very early 20s. I mean, 21 in Denver and 22. Uh, what was Minnesota at the time ended up being Memphis. EJ Liddell would be off the board. I don't talk too much about Ohio State guys. I, as everyone knows, I'm not an Ohio State fan. Um, and with that, I also never thought there was even a chance that Liddell would be on the board for Miami. But as he kept on falling and falling, I realized he was going to be there for Miami. I tweeted out, I said something. I really hope the guy from that team up north is still available at 27. And he was. And Miami passed on him. And he felt 15 more or 14 more. Or 16 more, I don't know. Uh, somewhere in the middle teens, more draft picks into the 40s. Um, Miami ended up going with Jovic, uh, Nikola Jovic, uh, very close to Jokic. But what I really hate is how Bleacher Report um, posted a picture of Miami's draft pick next to the Quesarito Taco Bell commercial that played when Jokic was drafted. I get their names are the same, and I get they're from the same area of the world, um, but it's it, it was just too much. Um, but for me, for Miami's pick, I really, I was really okay with it. I don't want to say I was really happy. It was probably a reach at 27. I understand that. Um, it was not, this is the top project project on the board, but here's what I like about it. If he stays in Miami, I think I can see him developing into a good guy. Uh, if he doesn't stay in Miami, I think he is a pickup at 27 that other teams are interested in and can be a trade piece, whether it's for uh, Donovan Mitchell or, someone bigger and better. Um, I really am hoping that Kyrie Irving blows up the NBA and Kevin Durant requests a trade. I will cry tears of happiness if Kevin Durant requests a trade and Miami is able to pull it off. And I think someone like Jovich helps Miami's offer um, because the 27th pick wasn't really that attractive, especially in this year's draft. I think it becomes more attractive because of who they got. And it's a guy who could, really turned into a really good player in this NBA in, in this NBA landscape. He's got what he needs. He's tall, but he can play like a guard, which is what everyone wants. Um, so I'm not comparing him to Chet Holgram, but in a lot of ways I can see similarities in their game. Um, it's just, just my opinion. Um, but now we go into the area of who is a reach, who is a steal. Um, so you can give me both your reach and your steal here. Um, for me, I'm not sure I'm not picking Miami as the person who reached. Uh, I think Jovic may have been a little bit of a reach, but I'll let you go, and then I'll confirm my reach later on. Well, you know, not to 
<laughs> steal your idea of picking your own team for a reach. But I, I think Dale and Terry was a bit of a reach. Like I said, I, I do see the vision there with that pick. But I also, I, I mean, I don't really know if they could have, but I could, they might have been able to trade back to the mid 20s, late 20s, or just late first round and still have gotten Dale and Terry. I don't know. Maybe they couldn't have. Maybe uh, Minnesota, Memphis traded up for 19, but maybe Memphis or Minnesota, someone behind them was really wanting Terry and they couldn't have done that. But I I do think he probably uh, would have gone later uh, if they hadn't uh, gone at 18. And then for my uh, potential steal, I... Going into this draft, I watched a lot of film on uh, Gabriel Proshita. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name. I'm not Italian, so if there are Italians listening, I am sorry for butchering uh, your guy's name. I apologize. But, I mean, if you watch his film, he is so smooth. He has a – his jump shot is – it is beautiful. Like, his game will translate really well over to the NBA – he's probably going to be a draft and stash guy. So maybe he, maybe he just never wants to come over to the NBA, but assuming he does in a year or two, I, I really like his game. I think he could be a really uh, solid player for Detroit. Uh, he's super athletic, six, seven wing has a great jump shot, can handle the ball. Uh, could probably improve on defense, but I think every player can probably improve on defense. So those are my steals and, or my steal and my reach. You know, I'm not going with Jovic for my reach, and it's simply because I do like the pick. I, I do. Um, it was a little bit of a reach, but I think Jeremy Sochin at 9 to San Antonio was more of a reach. That was the first time in our group chat with uh, Kyle that we were all kind of like, uh, this guy wasn't supposed to go that early, was he? And he was a late lottery to even mid-20s type of draft pick. Um, he was all over the board. I don't hate the pickup for San Antonio. I'm just not sure at nine that was the pickup. I think they could have traded back and got that pick personally. Um, but I think that was a little bit more of a reach than I expected. Uh, I think with San Antonio and the possibility of them getting rid of DeJounte Murray, I would have gone for total bucket getter someone else. Um, I would have probably gone with Johnny Davis personally there. But that, that's kind of my reach. There weren't a whole lot of reaches. Um, And for my steal, I'm going with Patrick Baldwin Jr. He wasn't so much a steal at 28. But if you remember him coming out of high school, he was a highly respected recruit. Um, He ended up going to play for his dad at University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, I want to say, or Milwaukee, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, I think. Uh, I should just look at my draft board and see. And... Yeah, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And didn't have a great year. Battled injuries. And I will say, never trust recruiting. Um, Cooper, you and I are in a group chat with Kyle Boward, who talks about football recruiting all the time. And every time I respond with, I really don't care that much. It's such a different game once you get to college that it's so not worth looking. I mean, how many times are you seeing high school uh, players highlights where it shows a bad play at all no it's all only good plays you don't see anything and just the talent's so different and so i really hate banking off 
um, people being, you know, number one recruits going into college. Like, who cares? So much can change. And that's what we saw with Patrick Baldwin Jr. But he still has great talent. There's no denying that. All 58 guys drafted have great talent. Um, but Patrick Baldwin, I think, could be a fantastic player, especially in a position like where he is at Golden State. So he's not as stealing the fact that he was drafted 28th. He was projected as a lottery pick a few weeks ago. He was projected as a lottery pick a year ago instead. But I think the development that he can get at Golden State could make him an absolute steal of this draft and be one of the reasons Golden State never sucks again. It feels like Golden State's going to dominate the NBA in a lot of ways for a very long time. Um, so that is my steal and my reach of the draft. That moves on to the winners and losers. So instead of looking at players now, teams who are those teams that you think really won the draft you can pick multiple i know you have at least two teams you really like one team that kind of butchered the draft um yeah i i think the main winner of this uh draft uh obviously we're like three four days after the draft we won't fully know until uh you know years from now who really was a winner or a loser but I really loved what Detroit did in this draft class, which I th- like a lot of people did. Um, they got Jaden Ivey at number five. I said earlier, I think he has the highest ceiling of a player in this or in the top five. And his in Detroit, I think he's a perfect fit next to Cade Cunningham, who is a, a common presence in the back backcourt. I think, uh, Jaden Ivey, one of his main knocks was his defense. I think uh, Kate Cunningham can help him with that. And then Dwayne Casey, that head coach, you know, with Dwayne Casey, you gotta, you gotta work hard, or he's he's not gonna play you, or he's not gonna play you as much as maybe you should. So I think that's a really good spot for Jaden Ivey. Then they got Jalen Duran at thirteen. There's their center, right? I. That's a great pickup for them. And then my guy, Gabrielle Prashida, in the second round at 36. I think, I mean, those that's a my steal of the draft at 36. And then my favorite pick out of the top five. And then I think Jalen Duran is another really good pick at 13. And then my other team that I really liked uh, were the Pelicans. I thought uh, they had a really good uh, class. They got uh, Dyson Daniels at eight. I'm trying to remember who they got in the second round, but. I remember they got EJ Liddell. Oh, they got Liddell. Yeah, I was saying. And then they got EJ Liddell at forty-one. I think Liddell is going to come in and be a. I mean, he was a three-year player in college. I think he's going to come in, do all the right things. I, I kind of like the comp for him to, uh, your favorite Miami Heat player. Uh, Norris Cole. No, not Norris Cole. Norris Cole is nobody's favorite Heat player. Now I'm blank. Not. Uh, PJ Tucker. He, I, I I see a little bit of PJ Tucker in his game. He's a six seven forward. He does the right stuff on defense. He improved his shooting his last year at Ohio State while getting stomped by the Fighting Illini. Um, so <laughs> he he can't score on Kofi Coburn, but I think in the NBA, EJ Liddell is probably going to have a little bit better career than Kofi. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, Kofi didn't get drafted. Um, Granted, he was picked up by Utah, um, undrafted. Uh, I really hope P.J. Tucker resigns with Miami. He is one of my favorite Heat players. Um, Man, that's going to get me sad when he does not resign. 
Um, but that's not the point. I agree with your winner. It's clearly Detroit. I think New York is a bigger winner than people realize. If this works out and they end up with Donovan Mitchell, a big part of that's going to be this draft. It's going to be the moves they made at this draft. They thought big picture, a picture, and I respect them for that. Um, so those are those are my two my two big um, winners. Actually, now it's it's also the Miami Heat. They just picked up Orlando Robinson. Um, from Fresno State, as we are speaking. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they did pick up Orlando Robinson from Fresno State, but that does not make them a winner. I have no idea who that guy is. Uh, the loser for this draft is Sacramento. Um, and it's not necessarily that Sacramento had a bad draft, um, but they were, just, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place at four. And who knew? Everyone got excited when they somehow got the fourth pick. And a lot of was like, oh, a little bit of luck for Sacramento. Good for them. Um, and now they're back to just a joke of a franchise. And Keegan Murray is going to be fine, but you're telling me Keegan Murray is what's going to boost them into a play-in team or a playoff team? No. They're going to be back in the lottery next year. They're going to be back in the lottery the year after that. Unless they do something huge we don't know about that they have up their sleeve. There's no improvements. Keegan Murray is exactly uh, is a solid player that's not going to boost this team, I don't think. Um, but I don't believe you gave us a loser of this draft, so I send it back to you with that question. Yeah, um, I'd say I don't know if it's I for, for your um, biggest reach. You had Jeremy Sokan out of Baylor going to Spurs at number nine. I don't think the Spurs are a loser per se. Um, but I don't like that pick. There's trade rumors flying around DeJounte Murray, which I think would be a massive mistake. But, I mean, during the NCAA tournament, you know, I was texting you. I really don't like Jeremy Sokan's game. He seems like a great uh, – I don't want to call him a kid because we're like the same age. But <laughs> I, I, I just – I don't love his game. I, I think I, – I can see what people would like about him. He can guard – I don't know if I'd say one through five at the NBA level, but he could probably guard at least three through five. He's athletic. I think he's got about a seven foot wingspan, six, nine. He's, I I can see why people would like him, but like you said, I think he was a pretty big reach. And also, like you said, I think Johnny Davis should have been the pick there. Johnny Davis, EU Wisconsin, but I think Johnny Davis is a better fit for the Spurs as a franchise. And I also think he's a better player. I think they could have gone Jalen Dern if they wanted a big man. There's just I think there was a lot better players at nine than Jeremy Sokan. I thought Jeremy Sokan might go late lottery, early twenties. So I think I don't know if that alone makes them a big loser. I think a lot of teams had pretty solid drafts. So I guess I'll say the Spurs. Yeah, it's hard to pick one loser because there's no team that was just like, oh, you butchered this draft. And so I totally understand that feeling i i totally understand it's like i mean sacramento i don't think they had a bad draft i think they picked up a really solid player at number four but it, it's just like how is that going to help improve your team especially if Dejounte murray's off the squad and john collins is there um that i agree is a bad trade i i understand trading Dejounte murray because i think you can get a lot back for him I'm not sure he's the guy that's going to ever lead you to a championship. I think he is more of a third, even possibly fourth option that would be very expensive on a championship team. Um, not a first, definitely not a first scoring option. Um, and so I understand, you know, 
trying to make that trade and set yourself up for the future. But it's got to be for the right thing. And I don't think John Collins is the right trade to make. I love it for Atlanta. I love it. They can be competitors if he's in Atlanta, I think. Um, but I, I agree. Um, San Antonio was my second choice. But since I already bashed them for their pick, I wasn't going to do that again. We're going to go ahead and take a break. But then we're going to come back and just have some fun, a few general questions about the NBA. Because, again, the NBA is always dramatic, even when basketball is not in the session. So we'll be right back after this. We welcome you back into Cut to the Chase, moving away from the draft and more into some offseason and just hypothetical questions. We were watching the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals wrapped up just over a week ago, yada, yada, yada. And Cooper, you asked Kyle and I a very interesting question. I won't steal your thunder. I meant to ask this on my last podcast, NBA season wrap-up to Gray Aust, um, but totally forgot because we got into a good conversation about other things, including about 20 minutes of the top 10 of all time. That was unexpected. So, Cooper, you had a very interesting question about a draft a few years ago. Go ahead and ask and go ahead and answer your question as well. Well, to set the scene for the listeners, <laughs> uh, a few years ago in the NBA draft, the Warriors, I believe, had the third, second, second second overall pick. And a lot of people were, you know, wondering, hey, what are, what are the Warriors going to do here, obviously, as you wonder about every team in the draft? Who are they going to pick? The most intriguing prospect in that class was LaMelo Ball. A lot of people wondered, hey, Clay Thompson's hurt. Do you get? Do they take Lamelo Ball to have a backcourt mate for Steph? Is he going to take over for Steph in a few years? Um, Lonzo Ball, his older brother, is Steph Curry with a forty-inch vertical. So is Lamelo Ball six? And what is he six seven, six eight? Steph Curry? Who knows? You know, going into the draft, that was kind of the thought process. Then on draft night, uh, they obviously did not take uh, Lamelo Ball. They took. Um, everybody's favorite uh, backup, 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 James Wiseman. And he did not, I, I believe he did not log a single minute this uh, finals. Or no, he didn't log a single minute this season. Okay. I'll say I pre. you know, there's the pick of him recreating Kobe's pick with the trophy. Uh, Kyle Kuzma vibes. So there's that. But like, so my question was, do the Warriors still win this ring? had they taken LaMelo over James Wiseman. And the more I've thought about it, the more I kind of question it, because obviously James Wiseman doesn't play, so you think, oh, they add a, one of the best young up-and-coming guards in the NBA. Of course they'd still win it. But I'm not sure that's true, because you watch LaMelo Ball play, he is a absolute highlight reel. He's so much fun to watch. But I don't know... It's it's such a hard hypothetical, but I think had they had Lamelo Ball on their team, you don't get the breakout seasons from uh, Pool Party. Uh, you don't get Clay. You don't get Game Six Clay, who did have a bit of a rough season, but you know he hadn't played in like a thousand plus days or whatever. So, I, 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 I I'm not even sure if they make the finals with Lamelo on this team. Honestly, what do you think, Chase? I will say there. Uh, the one thing I 100% agree with you on is that Jordan Poole does not become Jordan Poole. Um, that, that is LaMelo Ball's role if he is drafted. I will say also 
it made a lot of sense for them to draft Lamelo in a lot of ways because literally the draft was like just days after Clay Thompson tore his Achilles, and so we knew Clay was gone for a long time. Um, but a long time still, do you replace a guy who's uh, won you multiple championships, who's been a key partner, is a splash brother because he's going to be out for a year, and replace him with the future? That's the question. I would not have been upset if they drafted Lamelo Ball. I think. Personally, what we have here is just more of a different Lamelo. Um, I think Lamelo would have probably been coming off the bench like Jordan Poole did this past year in the finals. It's honestly a toss-up. I do think they make it back to the finals. I think there's just so much talent on that team. You are adding a guy, though I do think Gary Payton's not on the team then. Um, I think there's uh, movements that happen that make this team not as strong overall. Um, I'm not sure they win the finals, but I think based on who they played and where they went and how their path was, I do think they still probably make the finals this year. Um, But a hypothetical I had for Gray, he's a big Suns fan, so I had asked him if the Suns won game seven against the Mavs, who wins the Western Conference final. My answer to that question I would say I think the Suns beat the Warriors if they had LaMelo Ball. Um, But if they still go up against the Mavericks like they did this year, I would pick the Warriors over that. Um, But it totally is an interesting question. It would be a total shift, and they could make this offseason a lot more interesting. Um, I'm on the – I'm not mad if Clay gets traded in the next few years. I would understand it for a Warriors perspective depending on how much pool keeps on advancing. Um, so it's a really good question. I think there's a chance they still win the championship. I think they still are in the finals, but I would have given the Celtics a better chance. And I gave the Celtics a pretty good chance. Um, I did predict them to win in seven. Um, but it's definitely an interesting question. I'd love to, you know, see someone like King of the Fourth Quarter and Kenny Beecham do a whole idea of a 2K video on that for YouTube. Uh, Shout out, shout out to our guy, Kenny. Kenny's a cool guy. Um, but now uh, uh, we move on to the Nets. And that's the other team I really want to talk about as we wrap up this podcast. Kyrie Irving may opt in and request a trade. And the reason he's opting in and requesting a trade instead of just opting out and signing with someone in free agency is because no team has money and the teams that do are absolute buns. Kyrie Irving does not want to play there. Um, So I got this question a few times recently from some friends who don't follow the sport as closely as I do. If you opt out, you're not signing with a good team. Though I saw something. I saw a rumor the other day that said Kyrie might opt out and sign with a mid-level exception with the Lakers. I don't think it was from a super trusted source. It was not from Shams. It was not from Woj. Um, So take it with a grain of salt, but that's interesting. And let's be honest, there's one guy that was going to do it, be Kyrie Irving. Um, But what... What do you expect to happen in this whole Kyrie Irving um, scenario that's going on in Brooklyn currently? Well, I the thing with, Ky, or with Kyrie Irving, right? This Nets team is a dynasty if a pandemic doesn't happen, which that's a whole what if, but another what if. But I think with Kyrie, for, from the Nets perspective, right? If they lose Kyrie, why would KD want to be there, right? So they lose both, and once again, they built in an on-paper world-beating team that didn't pan out. So I think, but then also with 
Kyrie, if they do a sign and trade, they're not getting as much back, right? So, I mean, if you trade him to the Lakers, congrats, you have Westbrook and your point guard and your small forward hate each other again, or your power forward with Katie, whatever position he is. The NBA is hard to predict with positions. But um, I, I think if Kyrie wants out that bad, the best route for the Nets, if they want more back in return for him, uh, assuming KD commits to the team, which is another f- factor that factors into it. But if they sign Kyrie, obviously this sounds like a sign and trade, but if they sign Kyrie and then they wait a while, um, they play a few months of the season, he might build his value up a little bit more or he could tank it and refuse to play. Kind of like what James Harden was doing uh, in Houston and on the Nets. He's a crybaby, whatever. Kyrie Irving, I, I think if they if they really want more in return for him, they need to sign him if he'll sign and then hold him out into the season and be like, hey, we'll trade you to the Lakers. We just don't want Kendrick Nunn, THT, and a second-round pick in 2028. Instead, they want Russell Westbrook and Malik Monk in that second-round pick in 2028. Um, I I get, in theory, that works. But let's be honest here. Kyrie is just going to sit. He's not going to play. We all know that. Um, Granted, my theory, my first theory is not any better. Um, It's actually not better at all. Um, It's you trade Kyrie to the middle of nowhere. You trade him to a team he does not want to be at. You know, you trade him to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. Um, That might keep KD happy, actually. Um, But I think if they do this, no matter where he goes, and you trade him for just a bunch of picks and young guys, Kevin Durant's going to be like, nah, I'm not working through this rebuild. Send me away. Um, unless they get someone like Donovan Mitchell back. You know, send him send him to Sacramento. Send Kyrie Irving to Sacramento and bring back Keegan Murray and future first-round picks. Um, that's not going to keep KD happy. Um, that would make a lot of people happy because Kyrie would be in a place he absolutely would not want to be. Um, but I, it's such a tough scenario. When it comes down to it, Nobody's going to show interest except for Los Angeles. So he'll end up in Los Angeles. And it's sad. It's really, really sad. Um, I, I think Kyrie Irving should have just never requested a trade from Cleveland when it comes down to it. And I think Kyrie Irving and most of the world knows that. Um, or who knows? Maybe Kyrie Irving should have just stayed in Boston and Boston would have a true point guard that everyone thinks they need. I agree. I do think they need a true point guard, but I think it needs to be a six man, not not a starter. I should have probably clarify that in my last podcast um, because they did go to a finals with Marcus Smart. But anyway, so the point is there's not a good trade outside of Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is not a great trade for them um, because you get probably Westbrook back and a few guys that have disappointed. Um, but assuming he ends up being moved and that they don't get someone like Donovan Mitchell back, what do you think happens with Kevin Durant? Well, I, if, I'm the, if I'm the Nets GM, I'm calling Arturis Karnasovas of the Chicago Bulls. And I'm saying, hey, we'll give you Kevin Durant straight up for Nikola Vucevic. And, you know, I'll, I'd make that trade 10 times out of 10. But <laughs> if, Kyrie, if, if Kyrie's gone, and they get, like you said, a Westbrook or a Kendrick Nunn. Just not a good trade package back. I think he wants out. And then I'm not entirely sure what a trade package for Kevin Durant looks like. 
I don't remember the last, I guess the Kawhi Leonard trade, but he had not played in like a year. But I don't remember the last time a top three, top five player in the NBA got traded. Um, there's probably a recent example other than Kawhi that I'm not thinking of, but Anthony Davis is the closest thing. And that was a, that was a big package that took a very special situation, right? The Lakers had a lot of young players. Yep. LeBron who did not like them and they wanted it's LA. So like they want stars. They don't want to rebuild. They hadn't won in like, fuck like 10 years. Oh no. How rough, but like I don't know. That's the guy who goes who has not seen his team in the NBA Finals in his whole twenty-one year old lifespan. That's my point. Like, oh no, we only saw yeah. Kobe win five in the two thousands. Like, wh- oh no, your team was bad five years. You had good players. Stop complaining, Lakers fans. But uh, I don't even know who can realistically take on Kevin Durant that he would want to be there for. And that has a package worth trading or that the Nets would even like accept for KD. But would you rather have a KD on your team that doesn't want to be there? Co-starred with Ben Simmons and THT and Westbrook, a team that's, I mean, this team that was fairly good got swept in the first round as an eight or yeah, as an eight seed. So they're making the plan. So it's like, I don't know what they can do if Kyrie doesn't stay. And I don't know what they do if Kyrie does stay, because I don't think they're a championship team currently constructed. There is not a team that can trade for Kevin Durant and give a package worthy of it. I mean, I guess you could be like Kawhi Leonard for Kevin Durant straight up, but like realistically on the teams I'll look at this trade, there's not a team that can do that. Um, and that's why Miami's got the best odds because they don't have a package worthy of Kevin Durant. They have the closest thing to it. Um, when it comes down to it, you're right. You, you don't see players like this trading. Kawhi Leonard was not a – he was maybe a top 10 player when he was traded. And I say maybe a top 10 player because we hadn't seen him play in a long time and he had only hey, – we had never seen him take a team to the championship. A lot changed when he – I don't want to say carried. He had a good Raptors team. Don't get me wrong. But he carried that team, I'm going to say it anyways, to beat the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. Um, You know, you make that trade a year later after he did all of that. That's a massive top five player trade. But at the time, it it wasn't. It was was a big trade, not a huge trade. Uh, Well, I mean, it it was a huge trade, but not a trade to the – ways we're talking about i think kevin durant's good has gone as well i really do um but i don't know how soon it is i mean i guess you could also argue james harden's close to the type of guy he was a top 10 player when he got traded out of houston to brooklyn and they got what victor oladipo for like 30 games and then john wall and it was a mess. It was a it was an utter mess. And actually, John Wall wasn't part of that trade at all. Um, now that I think about it, uh, but they did end up with John Wall. <laughs> they probably regret that right now. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think it's going to be a while before we see Kevin Durant traded. They're going to wait and wait as long as they can. And I do believe, unlike Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant will play for the Nets, even if he's unhappy. Uh, the man's got nothing going for him besides basketball. It seems like sometimes that's harsh. A lot of people really bash Kevin Durant, and sometimes I feel like he deserves it. 
Sometimes I feel like he does it. But the man, the man's a hooper. I, we don't know anything about Kevin Durant besides burner accounts and hooping for him. Let's be honest. Um, but we're talking about a few divas. It's only fair that we talk about the last one, Ben Simmons. Let's say Kyrie and Kevin Durant are gone. Ben Simmons, what do you do with him? Because if I'm Brooklyn, I don't want Ben Simmons and just Ben, ben Simmons personally. How would all of this affect Ben Simmons? So I'm going to disagree with you there. I see why Brooklyn would not want just Ben Simmons. However, if you look at their roster, obviously Joe Harris is coming off a of surgery. He's a sniper. You've got Seth Curry. I don't know if he likes Ben Simmons with after the whole uh, Philly fallout thing and then now they're teammates again. But once again, there's another sniper. You surround Ben Simmons with good shooters and let's say you trade Kyrie and you trade uh, Kevin Durant. I've I've got a trade proposal for uh, the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn pulled up. It'd be KD for Bam and Tyler Hero. You'd probably do that in a heartbeat, I think, if you're Miami. But if you're Brooklyn, let's say you do that, right? And you've got Bam at center and then Tyler Hero at shooting guard. Ben Simmons, Bam, Hero, Harris, and Seth Curry, that's a small lineup, but that's a lineup that's that's a pretty good lineup in my opinion. I don't and that's a good build for the future. Obviously, Seth and Joe Harris are kind of old. And then that's not even taking into account what you get for Kyrie. So I think if Brooklyn play, plays this right and they do lose Kyrie and KD, they could they could have a pretty good young nucleus here in Brooklyn, but you know, they would also have like a bunch of guys that are practically retirement home Lakers players with LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Blake Griffin, and almost the rest of the roster. This is see, this is why I have nothing but Dwayne Wade jerseys currently. I have a Jimmy Butler jersey, but as you mentioned, it's probably probably gonna take Bam out of bio to get Kevin Durant. And everything in me is like, no, don't do that. Just trade Kyle Lowry. They don't want Kyle Lowry. They <laughs> do not want Kyle Lowry. Well, what happens? Kyle Lowry will be traded for a new center afterwards. Um, it'll be chaos in Miami um, because I'm sorry, I love Omer Yurt Seven. He is not ready to start in the NBA next year unless he drops Wilt Chamberlain numbers in the summer league in the few weeks coming up. Um, but I, I can see that. I can see that, but at the same time, I just, it's Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is going to be like, everyone else wants a trade. Why don't I? And the question is, is Ben Simmons ever going to play basketball again at this point? There's so many questions here. They could build a solid lineup, especially if they do get Bam Adebayo. And I I struggle because I I look at this trade. I'm like, it's going to be, you know, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero in first-round picks for Kevin Durant. I'm like, why would... Why, why would the Nets accept that? It doesn't seem worthy. And then I realize it's, it's going to have to be Bam Adebayo. And I can't buy a stinking Heat jersey because of all of this. Because every year when I think, okay, this is the year I buy a Heat jersey. You know, I want the Red Statement jersey with the Jordan logo on it. I can't do it <laughs> because of stuff like this. You're right. And, you know, that's a little bit of a sidetrack. Um, but it is a solid team around Ben Simmons. Uh, but my question is, how many games are you going to win with number one option, Tyler Hero? Not very many. No offense. 
I, I love Tyler Hero. I guess, I mean, he was the guy who led the Heat in scoring the most this year, and that was the number one team out East. But he's not going to be able there, – there's no guy on that team. What was the tragic downfall for Miami at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals? No one else could get a bucket besides Jimmy Butler. They don't even have a Jimmy Butler on that team. Ben Simmons isn't going to go out there and pull up for three with 10 seconds left to win you the Eastern Conference Finals. No, he's going to dump it off. To Bam Adebayo, and no offense to Bam, I love him as a defensive player, but my bit, I struggle with him offensively because he's going to dump it off to someone else. And so if that team is good on paper. I'm not sure it's going to succeed too much when it comes to actually playing together. You know, like I just, I think it's tough. It's a good setup. It's something worth trying, but I think Ben Simmons is good as gone if everyone else is. Um, but that's all I got for you, Cooper. Thank you so much for coming on. I don't know if you have any rebuttal to that. I'll let you rebuttal if you do. Um, so you say nobody is there to take a last second shot. I raise you, Bruce Brown. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. That's that's not a championship team. but also, It's a playing team. It, it's, that's a solid team. And the idea of Ben Simmons and Bam Adebayo on the same defense, that is, that is beautiful. I would love to see that. But... I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. That's not it's not a phenomenal team, but I do think that's a good starting block. And I think, like you said, they wouldn't have a clear number one option, but you do have some solid offensive players. Like I said, Seth Curry, oh, yeah. great shooter. Joe Harris, great shooter. We'll see how he is when he comes back. But those two also might not want to be on that team, right? That's a that'd be a young team. You know, maybe you flip Seth Curry and Joe Harris. There's there's trade pieces. I think there's a route to have a good young nucleus that they could then build around. But I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think that's best case scenario if they lose both KD and Kyrie is getting a bam out of bio. Maybe they trade Kyrie for Russell Westbrook and he becomes the guy. Backcourt of Westbrook and Ben Simmons, worst spacing of all time. But it'd be entertaining, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> no, it would be in its way entertaining. I think the thing Brooklyn needs to focus on, if they do end up trading anybody, is getting first-round picks. And the one thing that the Lakers and the Heat typically don't have, first-round picks. Um, so that's something interesting, I think, to keep your eye out on as well. Um, because I, I think you know this. I know um, I saw this recently. But like they don't have a first-round pick till like 2028 because of the trades they've done. Or uh, back-to-back first-round picks. Uh, it's a mess. Like, I think, like, 29 and 30 is, like, the first year they have picks in two straight years in the first round currently. And so that's also interesting to think about is how does that affect all of this? It's how much do you want picks? Do you really care about it? Um, and they should. And so that will be something definitely to keep the eye on when all this goes down. And, well, in a week or so, they all will be going down. Uh, so probably the next podcast will have to be a free agency podcast. And Cooper, I think it might be you and Kyle for that one. Bring the gang back together, have some fun. Because I think we're going to see some wild stuff, even though the draft or the free agency class isn't that good with trades in early July. But thank you again for coming on. Uh, it's always great to talk about basketball with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's a good day to have a good day, Chase. It is a great day to have a good day as I'm looking out my window and it is pouring here <laughs> off the Mississippi in Quincy, Illinois. Uh, I hope you have just the most wonderful weekend. Um, <laughs> you too. Give Thor some pets for me. 
I will. He's taking a nap on my lap. Oh, so jealous. So, so jealous. To the listeners, thank you as always for listening. It's been Cut to the Chase, and we out.